Grab your Bibles, if you will. Let's turn to Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter 16. Throughout our nation, throughout our world even, we see churches that are really just struggling, don't we? And I think here in America we see churches struggling probably at a greater rate and in more ways than in most other places in the world. A nation that was once a nation that we saw carry the light of the gospel into the darkest regions is now a nation uh, where the church is under attack and the church is struggling uh, to experience victory. Uh, But you know, we serve a mighty God, don't we? And I'm grateful that uh, He reminds us every uh, single day that He is still on the throne and He still answers prayers. And I'm grateful that tonight that uh, we're able to be a member of a church uh, that is not on the retreat, but it's on the advance. I'm grateful that tonight at Hill, as Hillside Baptist Church, we're looking forward uh, to what God is going to do and what God is doing, and we're just continually seeking the Lord's will. And so uh, as we move forward as a church, my desire is that God would help us be a triumphant church, a church that sees victory, a church that is able to see God at work in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our families, in the midst of our, uh, the events that go on on a regular basis, that we might be a light to, uh, to the dark regions of our area and throughout the world. You know, what an encouraging thing it is when we get to to be reminded that God is still alive, that God is still on the throne, and that God is still at work. And so tonight I want to just begin really a brand new series for us about the triumphant church, and we're going to be looking in uh, the book of Thessalonians, but before we get to Thessalonians, we got to go back to where it begins. And before we can see uh, what made the church triumphant, we must also see uh, where it began and how it got its beginning point. And so tonight, that's a little bit about what we're going to be doing tonight as we begin to give a little introduction to uh, the book of uh, Thessalonians uh, and all the great challenges that are there and the wonderful truths that are there. We see that there are some incredible uh, different things that God has taught us through the book of Thessalonians that we can apply to our lives, that we might be able to see victory in our church as well. And so as we begin tonight, I want you to look at Acts chapter number 16. We're going to look at three different things this evening about this and the beginning part of it. But my, my prayer, my desire is that God will help us to be triumphant in the trials, that we remember that we serve a bigger God than, what, uh, than any trials that we can face. And the church in Thessalonica, it was a great church. Uh, the church in Thessalonica was a church that had a great beginning. And we want, to, we want to look at that tonight. Acts chapter number 16 and verse number 6, we see that tonight the church in Thessalonica began with a call. Acts 16 and verse number 6, it says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia uh, and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not, and they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. Let's stop there. Let's ask God to bless our reading, and let's get started tonight. Father, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst tonight. We thank you, Lord, that, that you were a God of victory and not a God of defeat. Lord, we're thankful that tonight you still sit on your throne, that, Lord, you are still powerful, and that, Lord, you're still here to encourage the hearts and lives of every individual and family that's represented here this evening. And so, Father, we pray that the power of of God and the power of your word would not return void, but, God, that our hearts would be tuned toward your spirit and that we might be willing to say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours to do with whatever you want, Lord, as we hear from you in this great message tonight. In Christ's name, amen. 
As we look at Acts chapter number 16 and verses number 6 through uh, really through 9, we see where God uh, laid on Paul's heart this Macedonian call. This is his first missionary journey into the, the region of Europe. Uh, really his second missionary journey, he has Silas with him. And, and as they're going through the different regions, we see here in Acts chapter number 16 that, that Paul was, was going about in this journey and he had a strong desire to go over into Asia. And, and instead of going into Asia, uh, especially East Asia, God forbade him to go into that region, but instead he called him into Macedonia. Uh, we, we think of that song, Send the Light, the Gospel Light. That one of the, I think it's the second verse is, uh, Let the Macedonian call today. Macedonian call. This is what he's referring to in that, in that verse, in that hymn that we sing. This time where God called him instead of from Asia to go into Macedonia, which is what we would recognize as Europe today. After visiting the churches uh, that he had founded, Paul tried to enter a brand new territory for the Lord. And, and, uh, but the Lord closed that door. Uh, we don't know how God revealed His will in this matter. We don't know exactly how God closed His door, but we can imagine that Paul was disappointed and perhaps even discouraged. You ever been there in your life where, where you think, okay, I know where God's going to lead me. I know where God wants to go, and all of a sudden a door closes. And we think, man, what a tragedy that this door has closed. And, and we can't see the next door. Because maybe God hasn't opened it yet. And I'm sure Paul at this time, and though I don't, can't read his thoughts, but I'm sure that personally if I was in his place, I would really struggle with a closed door when I was trying to do the Lord's work. But sometimes that happens, doesn't it? And here we see that though everything seemed to be going smoothly on the second journey, these closed doors probably gave him a great surprise. And, and, but it's comforting to know to me as a, as a believer in the 21st century, that, that even apostles were not always clear as to God's will for their ministries. You know, there were people just like us. Uh, you know, there's times when our ministry and in our life that we just have to wait upon God to open a door. He closes a door and He doesn't always open one immediately afterwards. You know, and Elijah found himself in the same place in, when he was in the wilderness. But the encouraging thing is here for tonight is that, that God didn't leave him there not knowing what was next in his life. God didn't leave him there uh, in, in, just, in just this region, uh, but instead he reminded him of the next step of this journey. In God's grace, he, God led Paul into Europe. And could you imagine how the, uh, the history of church and maybe the history of the world would have been different if Paul would have gone into Asia instead of going into Europe? Things would have greatly been changed. Things would have drastically been different. Most of us in this room, I'm looking around here, we're mostly European descent in this room tonight. And I'm going to say that, that most of us would be greatly affected by that. There's a chance that maybe we wouldn't be here in this location tonight if, if God had lead, led him in a different direction. And so I'm grateful for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful for the leadership of, of, uh, of God in, in Paul's life. And I'm really grateful that, that God called Paul at this crucial time into Macedonia. You know, what a great reminder tonight that, that when God um, leads us, we must follow. And it doesn't matter the region. It doesn't matter how difficult. We don't, it doesn't even matter if we understand. Could you imagine being Paul at this point in his ministry? And in verses number 6 through 8, they talk about when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Can you imagine that? God said, do not preach the word here. Man, I, 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 that would be confusing to me. 
But I'm grateful that God had a bigger plan in this journey. And God had a bigger plan for Paul in his life. And He had a greater plan for the, for the churches in the region of Macedonia. In a dream, we find that Paul received a call for help from a man in Macedonia. Now Macedonia, I, I didn't get any maps together, uh, forgive me, but, but Macedonia was the region where we find the church in Thessalonica. And so it would be similar to uh, Missouri is where Springfield is located. Okay, And so this is the state or the region where, where this particular area was. And so uh, George MacDonald said this, Nothing makes a man strong like a call for help. And when Paul received this call for help, he, had, he knew immediately where God wanted him. You know, and throughout the world, I believe that if we look closely, we could see a plea and a call for help for people around us. You go to the mall one day. Uh, maybe, go to, uh, maybe go to Branson or Kansas City or go on the square here in Springfield in the evening after 5 o'clock and see if there's not a call for help from people around us. Maybe they're not saying, please help me, but what they're saying with everything on their vesture, they're saying, I need help. I'm desperately lost in my condition. And God is reminding us through, through Paul's experience here that he is calling. Look at verse number 9 with me. And, in a, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. This man was begging and pleading in this vision from God. And I'm reminded that tonight that God is still, uh, still, He, he uses, uh, excuse me, what God is still trying to remind us tonight is that He still has places where we need to go and carry the gospel. The book of Acts was written by Luke. In Acts, we find three passages where he included the, the words we. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verses 10 through 17. Acts chapter 20, verses 15, uh, 5 through 15. And Acts chapter 27, 1 through 28, 16. So on some of Paul's journeys, we, uh, Luke actually went with Paul in some of these journeys. Luke devoted a great deal of time here in Acts chapter 16 and other places to the church in Philippi. And he really, you could see in his descriptive powers, if you looked at Acts chapter 16, if you look a little bit further down from where we just read, and in verse number, uh, verse number 13, I'm sorry, that's not where I want. Anyways, in chapter 16, I don't think that's where I want him. Yes, chapter 12, verse 12. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And you see how he, the, the descriptive patterns that he used as he talked about uh, his journey there with Paul in Philippi, that one, it was a chief city, Philippi, but also we could see that probably this was a place where Luke devoted a great deal of his time. And, and really, there's some students that think that probably the man that, that, um, that God revealed to Paul in this vision might have been Luke. Interesting thought. But regardless, what we see is Paul's response to this call of God, and that was, Lord, I'll go. Within two days, Paul packed up his stuff and was in the region of Macedonia. From the night he received the vision to, the, to, to two days later, he was in this region. He got on a ship and immediately sailed across a little strip of, of sea there, and he was into the region of Macedonia. Paul's response was immediate. And what I recognize is that Paul's response was similar to Christ's response in the garden. Remember when garden, uh, in the garden when Jesus Christ prayed, Lord, not my will, but thine be done? 
Paul's response was, was the same here. Lord, if you're calling, if you're leading, if you're moving, then Lord, I want to obey. Listen, God is still calling today, people. But now, He's not going to use some great vision where uh, chariots come down from the sky and say, I'm calling you. But what He is, what he is going to do is He's going to begin to work and press on your heart. And He's going to minister to your, 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 your uh, spirit that, that he is, He's needing and wanting you to see the vision. Uh, or excuse me, the, I don't want to use the word vision because then we have these ideas of conjuring up uh, some, some sort of thing from the sky that's going to fall in front of me. Because God's not going to work like that. The call of God is not like that, but instead the call of God is like the still small voice that just, that just speaks quietly to our spirit and reminds us there are still millions, there are still thousands. This region over here is without a gospel witness. And God continues to call and lay upon men and women the hearts to minister to others around them. Paul had this strong desire to turn into East Asia, and Asia, excuse me, Asia Minor, which is West Asia. But God closed those doors. The Bible doesn't record exactly how that happened. But what we do recognize is that when God closed that door, He opened another. And you may find yourself in a place, in a position in your life tonight that, that, that maybe God has closed the door. Let me remind you, God's about to open another. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you're eager and you're looking for what does God have for me in my life next? And let me just encourage you tonight that the call of God is real. And God is still calling men and He's still calling women and He's still calling us to surrender to His leadership in our lives. Instead of going toward East, uh, to West Asia there, God called him toward Europe. This leadership revealed that God was still at work. And listen, God's leadership is still at work in our lives. I remember when I was a student, I was maybe 12 years old, and my youth director, I appreciated Brother Keith Webster, and Brother Keith Webster loved the Lord, and he took us every year to youth camp. And at youth camp, I hated youth camp, I'm not going to lie. I hated to go because I was a mama's boy, and I hated to be away from my mama. That's, that's the truth of the matter. But I remember one year we, we got to camp and boy, it was hot that year. And there were 600 kids under this tabernacle and we're under this tabernacle. And boy, the preaching, the, 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 I don't even remember who the preacher was that week. But I remember he was preaching and, and I just began to feel and experience the Lord ministering to my heart. I remember feeling my heart beat. I remember feeling a passion for souls being kindled. And I remember being pressed in my spirit that God wanted me to preach the gospel. At 12 years old, I didn't understand that one day I would wind up going to Baptist Bible College. I didn't understand that one day uh, I would be called by Hillside Baptist Church to be their next pastor. I had no idea that that's where God was going to lead. All I knew was God was pressing in my spirit, and I knew I needed to surrender. I went forward in front of those 600 students, and I, my, my youth director followed me down, and, and we knelt there, there at the altar, and, and he said, what did you come here for? And I said, God's calling me to preach. And I remember that night as I, as I sat there on the, the side of the altar and he prayed with me. I don't remember everything that was said. that has been a long time ago. But I remember as I surrendered that night that he filled out a card and they had me come and stand in front of all these students. And I was not natural, naturally able to get in front of people. But I was reminded that night that if God could use me, that I was willing to surrender. I didn't know what that meant. And tonight, listen, God is still working in lives. 
You may not understand exactly what it is that God asks of you. You may not understand exactly what what, uh, the next step for, for you and your life may be. But I'm reminding you tonight that if God is calling, would you surrender to Him tonight? Would you be willing to say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I don't know what the next step may be, but I want to be like Paul. I want to be part of establishing a triumphant church. I want to be part of the work of God in, our, in my generation. I want to be a part of changing lives in this, in this world where we live. And so, God, I surrender everything to you. Maybe that means surrendering to preach as a young man. Maybe that means surrendering to be a missionary. Maybe that means surrendering to just to do God's will in a full-time vocational basis. Maybe that means tonight saying, you know what, I surrender my life. Whatever that may be, I'm just going to plug in to, the, to God tonight. Look at John chapter 15 with me. John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus Christ was encouraging His disciples there at the end of His life. And in John 15, He he reminds them of where the source of power is. Because let me remind you that when God calls you to something, it seems like the task is insurmountable. But when you plug into Jesus Christ, He gives you power to do what seems impossible. He says in verse number 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman, husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. And he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do... What is that word, church? That's right. Let me remind you tonight that when we come before God and He's saying, listen, I want you to be used to me. And it may be the later stages of your life. It may be the early stages of your life. It doesn't matter because Paul was in the middle stages of his life. He was on the road to Damascus when God called him. And he had a desire to see people destroyed as a result of the gospel. And there in the middle of that road, we read in Acts chapter number 9, where God came to Paul and he reminded him, listen, I want you stop kicking against the pricks and come follow me. And Paul said, Lord, I'll follow you. He didn't didn't say, well, I can't follow you because you know now I'm blind. Because he was. Because at that moment that Christ revealed himself to Paul, uh, the the Bible says that he was blind. He had to be led into the city of Damascus to a a road called Straight. And, And we're reminded here that God took this man, God took this life, and God took this situation. And when he surrendered his all, we see like in verse number John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches, and he that abideth me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. When he plugged into Jesus Christ, we saw countless fruit. We saw church after church after church established as a result of Paul's desire to hear the call of God in his life and surrender. Man, if we could just get hold of that, God can use any of us. God can use you tonight. But instead, some people want to sing songs like this. I surrender some, not all. Or maybe, there is scattered cloudness in my soul today. Or there shall be sprinkles of blessings. Onward, Christian spectators. Where He leads me, I will consider following. Oh, how I like Jesus. And many, many more. But tonight I encourage you. Will you build the triumphant church? Will you begin by saying, Lord, I surrender my life to you tonight. 
I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's not all about me. Instead, Lord, I'm going to make it all about you. Because we see this in Paul's life. Let's look at Acts chapter number 17. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 9, establishes the call. God called him and led him from uh, the region of Asia into the region of Macedonia. And he re- when he received that Macedonian call, he obeyed. And we're, we see that, that as a servant obeyed, Paul obeyed. And we see that, that first off, the church began with a call, but also it is built by a servant. Listen, God uses us. Isn't that exciting? That God uses you and me. God uses people like us to build the church of God. And so that means that we have an opportunity to make a difference in the world around us today. It's not all about religion. It's about serving a Savior tonight. It's not all about just just trying to do what's right. It's about following and surrendering our lives because when we fully surrender and and we're willing to say, God, I'm I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you want. God can do the incredible. Look in verse number 1, Acts 17 and verse number 1. It says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went into them, and three, days, uh, and, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered suffered and then risen again from the dead, that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks and a great multitude and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and sat all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, saying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. What a great testimony. Whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So in Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, really, we get this idea of what what Paul was able to do to invest in this church in Thessalonica. And so let let me begin first by saying Paul was truly a servant. So what was his role? The very first thing he was, was an obedient servant. He, he, you didn't hear him try to justify, well, Lord, if I go into Asia today, I, I mean, because I'm already on this side of the water. If I go into Asia today, then, you know, when I come back around, I'll, I'll hit Macedonia. No, instead what we see is an obedient servant who, who took two days to get where God wanted him to be. He was going one direction, God cut that off, and God opened another door, and he said immediately, we see he left on his journey. Immediately, we, we see where he came to Neapolis. And then we see where he went to Philippi and spent a season there where he helped establish the church in Philippi. And then when, when Paul was, um, was there, he was able to be estab- excuse me, help establish a church there. He was even thrown into prison in Philippi. When he was released from prison, we see Acts chapter number 17, and, and that teaches that he went through Amphipolis and through Apollonia, and then went into Thessalonica where he helped establish another church. This Macedonian call 
was an example, and Paul's willingness to obey it was an example of a great spirit for a servant. It reminds me of an old, uh, of an old poem, and I'm going to probably butcher it, but I want to share a piece of it with you. It says, Where our captain bids us go, tis not ours to murmur no. He's our captain, isn't he, tonight? He's the one that says, you know, go, and we should say, yes, sir. He should say, jump, and we should say, yes, sir, how high. You know, He is our captain, He is our Lord, and we are His servant tonight. Let me chat with you quickly about Thessalonica, because as he came to Thessalonica, I want you to kind of get an understanding of a little bit about this city and the background of it. Thessalonica was an ancient maritime city. It was built in around 315 B.C. by Cassander, who was the brother-in-law to Alexander the Great. Romans conquered Macedonia in 168 B.C. and made the city a naval station. So there was a great port there. During Paul's day, it was considered a free or self-governing city. But it was also a city of great importance strategically. Because of the port's because of the commerce, because of all that it offered. Thessalonica was an important city. Today, it still exists. Now, at this time, this city was well over 300 years old. Springfield is only 181 years old. Kind of gives you a clue as to how old this city was. It was a great city that God used to build a church in this place. And we found that Paul, even through the the book of Thessalonica, we saw he found people who were devoted. They were obedient. They had that servant spirit. But we see that Paul's obedience led him to preach and establish churches throughout this region. Not just in Philippi, not just in Thessalonica, but other places as he willingly went and willingly obeyed the Lord. The servant spirit led him to preach the gospel. We see this in Acts chapter 17. Man, listen to this. He says, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preached unto you is Christ. Listen, he willingly preached that there is only salvation in Jesus Christ. The Jews' religion couldn't, couldn't help them. And then he would not only allege with, uh, uh, preach to the Jews, but he preached to the Greeks. And we see that not just a few Greeks, uh, but many Greeks were saved. Many of the important women of that region were saved. And God used them mightily in this church. And so God's instruction to us is found in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Listen, our greatest privilege is to serve Jesus Christ. And when we devote ourselves to singing with songs in our heart, with, uh, to ministering with uh, spiritual songs and singing with grace, and listen, teaching and admonishing one another, God can use us to establish a triumphant church. Timothy's obedience. Let me, let me share with you something about Timothy. Timothy was later uh, used to Paul. Timothy was, uh, was uh, just an incredible young man. He's mentioned in Thessalonica, in the church, uh, excuse me, in 1 Thessalonians 1, and we'll get to that in a second. But Timothy was a young man that, that, that just loved the Lord, and he followed Paul, and, and Silas was here with Paul on this first journey. But, but we see that in Acts chapter number 19 and verse number 22, that Paul actually sent Timothy back to the church in Thessalonica. It says in this, So he sent him into Macedonia, two of them that ministered unto him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And so we see with, after God finally allowed 
Paul to go into Asia, that he sent Timothy back to this region of Macedonia where he undoubtedly ministered in this church in Thessalonica. And so as he ministered here, we see that, that God used uh, Timothy's willing servant's heart to minister and pastor here in the, in the church in Thessalonica. As a servant, Timothy was not a perfect man. Did you know a little bit about Timothy's background? Timothy was the son of a, a Jewish... Um, I've got this written down so I don't mess it up. First off, his dad was a Greek and his mom was a Jew. And when, you, when, you, when they married, they were not accepted readily by other Jews. And I'm reminded as I think about Timothy and his use for the Lord and that how God used him in this great way that God didn't care about his lineage. God didn't care about his pedigree, but instead God cared about his heart. And what we see in, in, in Timothy's life was that Timothy was a man who was truly truly a servant of Christ. And when his heart was following the Lord, we see that he took up the role and said, Lord, here am I. Send me. Today, I was grateful for the burden of our missionary that was shared. As he talked about 46 million people in Spain who still desperately need a gospel witness. Listen, what an incredible journey of faith for him and his wife as they left a comfortable ministry where they were content in Panama and forsook that because God was leading them to be a servant in Spain. Listen, you may be comfortable where you're at right now. It may, it may seem like this is, this is exactly where God wants you, but maybe God is leading in another direction. Maybe God is challenging you to say, listen, I want you to step out by faith. I want you to say, I want you to help me build the triumphant church. I want you to be able to be the one that says, I want you to get out there and be a servant Will you obey? I want you to think with me real quick about the spirit of a servant. A spirit of a servant, they, they can't be haughty or proud, can they? But instead, they must, a servant must ex exhibit great humility. Look at Acts chapter 17 and verse 10 with me. Acts 17 and verse number 10. As Paul preached to the church in Thessalonica, undoubtedly he made some great friends. Undoubtedly he was able to minister to, to them in great ways. But when we get to verse number 10, we see, and the brethren, excuse me, verse number 9, and when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let him go. And so Paul was locked up and Jason was accused and Jason had been locked up who was, who was opened his house to this church, house church and because essentially the Jews had kicked him out of the synagogue. And as they opened this, their home up, Jason was brought before the magistrates and they were uh, accusing them of treason. And verse number 10, and it says, And the brethren, brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas by night into Berea. We see that Paul exhibited a great servant spirit here in his humility because he could have haughtily said, I'm going to stay. I started this church, I'm going to stay here. But instead, Paul willingly left the church in Thessalonica so they could experience peace and that God could grow that church. How vital it is, how vital it is that we experience peace and promote peace in our own church. You know, Paul willingly uh, set aside his own agenda. Paul willingly set aside his own desires. And he said, listen, if it's important for this church to experience peace for me to move on, then, it, then that's where God is leading and I need to go. And listen, it's not my class. It's not my ministry. It's not my building. It's not my parking space. It's not even my pew. Amen? This is all Christ's. 
It's his ministry, it's his class, it's his building, it's his parking space, and guess what? It's even his pew. Amen. Amen. That'll preach right there. All right, maybe not. (laughs) But let me remind you, this belongs to him. Let's keep a servant spirit. Let's keep that humble spirit and say, God, this is yours. And if one Sunday we get a visitor that sits in your spot, praise Jesus. What a blessing. And a few weeks ago, Brother Dennis came to me and said, Pastor, I don't know what we're going to do. We've got so many people in here. We're going to have to make people move in. They won't move in. If you see someone that needs a seat, why don't you move in? Isn't that good? What a blessing and a good problem to have. As God helps us to build the triumphant church to have that humble spirit. We see a servant must also not just have a spirit of humility, but a spirit of sacrifice. Did you know that you cannot build the kingdom of God without sacrifice? David understood this when he wanted to offer a sacrifice. They said as he desired to build the sacrifice, they offered the oxen and the yoke to build the sacrifice. And he said, listen, I can't offer a sacrifice to God of something that costs me nothing. We must be willing to say, God, here it is. Everything belongs to Him anyway. What I've noticed is the more I give, the more I receive. I can't outgive God. I, I, can't, I, can't do, I can't do more. That means my time or whatever it may be. And, and, and listen, Paul established his spirit of sacrifice. He desired to be a tent maker in Acts chapter 18 and verse number 3. And he willingly shared his life with others. Listen, look with me in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Would you look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 11? Paul understood sacrifice as a servant of Christ. He understood that, that his life uh, was, uh, excuse me, it cost much from his life in order to be a servant of God. Act in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without and that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. Listen, he went through in this discourse and he reminds us of the great uh, sufferings that he, established, uh, that he personally experienced as he helped to establish the churches. Building the church of God requires sacrifice. Requires us to say, Lord, everything I have is yours. As a servant, it's all yours anyway. The triumphant church is not built by great leaders. The triumphant church is not built by innovators. The triumphant church is not built by CEOs or gurus of any kind. The triumphant church is built by a servant spirit, a servant's heart. Tonight, let me encourage you, will you be a servant of Christ?
Galatians 5.13 says, for, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. God's calling us tonight to serve. God's calling us tonight to, to just lay down our lives and say, Lord, it belongs to you. This church, this place, it all belongs to Him tonight. That does not absolve me of my responsibility, but instead it heightens it tonight. It reminds me that with greater purpose, Lord, then we serve because it belongs to a higher person than, than me. It doesn't just belong to you or to me, but everything that we, we enjoy this evening, it all is His. And so let's, let's in, encourage the growth of it by serving one another. Let's encourage the growth of it by willing to say, Lord, I surrender to the call tonight. Well, I'm grateful each time I see or I hear of someone serving one another. Grateful for our deacons. Grateful that they have chosen to, to be servants. Isn't that awesome? Not, they're, they're not, they're not uh, lording themselves, but instead we, we've chosen to, to be a servant one to another. And let me encourage you this evening what a blessing it is to God when we choose to serve one another. But by love, let's serve one another. Tonight... Maybe God's calling you in your life. Maybe you recognize that it's, life is more than a nine to five. Life is more than just uh, clocking and doing my time or sitting in a pew or just having fire insurance. Life needs to be more than just, just what I've experienced so far. And I believe that God is calling me. He's reminded me of the precious souls and the precious lives that still need Jesus Christ. And tonight, I'm asking you, will you surrender tonight? People, we, I'm begging God that God would help us to see people surrendered. Begging God that God would help us see people saved. And I'm reminded that, that God is not done uh, calling. And God is not done working. And God is not done moving. But are we done with God? I dare say that tonight I'm not done. And I hope that us as a church, we're willing to say I'm not done. I'm not done with God. I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm ready to say, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, I'm ready to whatever it may be. God, this is your church. This is your time. This is your opportunity. I want to be a small part of it as your servant tonight.